Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello and welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear Magazine's editor. And I'm Ollie Q, Top Gear Magazine's deputy editor. Okay, so today we're going to be uh, rummaging around in the barrel of goodness. We really ought to get a bookcase for the archive, shouldn't we? <laughs> this barrel was very, very impractical. <laughs> Have I rummaged around in the barrel before? You scraped the bottom of it a few times. <laughs> so, oh dear. Um, it's time to plunder the Top Gear archive and... and uh, revisit the stories that we've done in the past with a little sliver of hindsight thrown in um, because, after all, this story that I'm about to talk about... So this is... I'll put you out of your misery. That time we went panning for gold in a Bentley Bentayga. So this was originally published in the April 2016 issue of Top Gear magazine seven years ago. Blimey. Seven years ago. The well, Bentley Bentayga's been around a long time. I know. Wow. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, the Bentley Bentayga has been around for seven years because this was um, a feature um, that we did uh, when when the Bentayga was brand new. Obviously, a lot of noise around this car when it was first launched. Bentley's first ever SUV. Um, is it the right thing to do? Have we ever seen anything quite as ugly in our lives? <laughs> you know, there was a lot of questions to answer with this car. I think I'll start by... This was... My feature, by the way, just to Mark Fagelson was taking the uh, very, very lovely and mm. highly golden picture. Well, this was what I was going to ask on this feature. Taking a Bentley Bentayga panning for gold, was it that you were handed the keys to a gold one, an absolutely tasteless At- gold one, no, and no. went, oh, this is what we should do with it? Or was that a coincidence? Lucked out. <laughs> Lucked out. I mean, we hold some sway in the industry, but not enough to phone up Bentley and demand that we have a gold car to suit the title of our feature. No, this was just luck of the draw. Because um, the colour is pretty poor. I mean, this is full-on hotel chocolate velvetizer yeah, business going on here. It, it's a right mess. It's not helping it. It's not helping <laughs> it. But uh, what I wanted to do first was give you some context behind how a feature like this comes about. So, as you're aware, we get invited by manufacturers to go to places to drive their new cars to review them. Um, and this one was, you know, sometimes quite special invites drop into your inbox. This do one they, was, do they drop into your inbox? Yeah, they drop into mine and you never yeah, see must them. Yeah, there's a bit of a filter on those. But have you not had any recently? No, you don't come down to deputy no, level. Actually, we've, I've got to go in 10 minutes because I'm off to... Uh, Space station, probably. No, I'm not. So this was um, so this was a launch to drive the new Bentley Bentayga. What you tend to find is the bigger the car, the more fanfare they want to make, the more likely it, it is to be somewhere grand and impressive in the world. Because you know the because car manufacturer associates this incredible place with their incredible car. There we go. But obviously, we don't do that. We stay impartial at all times. Having said that, um, we accepted the invite to go to Palm Springs in California <laughs> to drive the new Bentley Bentayga, but. Um, as is always the Top Gear way, we don't just want to turn up, be handed a schedule, drive the car on their prescribed routes, have coffee at their prescribed coffee stops. Um, that's just what they'd be expecting us to do. Well, that's because that's what every other member of the world's media is going to be doing. Yeah. Um, the Top Gear way is to always push, 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 push to get a car, to take it away, to do our own thing. And what we managed to persuade Bentley was give us the keys to a car, leave us alone. Um, Mark Ferguson and I will will head off for two days 
We'll buy our own coffee. We're not even going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to buy our own extremely... Oh, did you not? You literally just went AWOL. We just went AWOL. Yeah, cool. I mean, no, 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 no. They they were aware we were going off, but you, you don't want to give Bentley too many details or they might get a bit involved or start saying, oh, you know, don't go here or don't do this or the, mm. I don't. we don't want our car being portrayed in that certain manner. No, we wanted to go off, do our own thing and be left to our own devices. Um, so there's there's the setup. You've got two days in this brand new Bentley Bentayga that everyone's talking about. You're in California because that's where the, the jumping off point is, the hotel mm. in Palm Springs. What do you do? So the idea I came up with was um, to go panning for gold. Uh, we were in uh, the gold district, really, of... Um, there's gold in them, there. There's hills. gold in them, there hills, and we were in them, there hills. Um, <laughs> You're in them, there hills? So I haven't been drinking, I promise. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and so... Uh, th- that's where the, the gold idea. rush happened. Uh, this is where the gold rush happened. Right. Exactly. Um, all, all around California, of course. Um, specifically, the first bit of gold um, uh, was found by a guy called, now I have to refer to the feature, James Marshall. So, um, a sawmill operator, he found fat chunks of gold lying in the shallows of the American River near Coloma, which is about 500 miles north of us. Um, so that was the sort of premise for the idea. In my intros, this is quite fun. Um, and these are gold prices at the time, if there's any um, gold right, investors. The 2016 out there. gold prices. The 2016 gold prices are uh, six, uh, 785 pounds per troy ounce. I figured out I needed 204 of those. Whoa, six... whoa, whoa. What's a troy ounce? No idea. <laughs> it's how you it's how you measure it's how you measure um gold. Gold. Weight. So I do right, say okay. two hundred and four troy ounces is 6.3 kilograms. So if you want to divide 6,300 grams by 204, you'll find out how many grams in a troy ounce. And you needed six and a half, give or take, kilos of gold. Kilos of gold in order to be able to purchase the 160,000 pound Bentley Bentayga. Right. At current prices. I assume the the Bentayga's probably gone up quite a bit since then. I should think, yeah, I bet now it's um, knocking on the door. Well, even then, they would never have sold a single Bentayga since then for 160 grand because everyone obviously drapes it in more leather, more wood, more chrome. And the current price of gold per troy ounce, (gasps) it's rocketed up. It's now nearly $2,000 per troy ounce. Wow. Wow. The cost of living crisis. But actually, the latest Bentayga starts at £169,000. So, so inflation that's... of gold prices have far outstripped You're much the inflation of Bentley Bentayga price. Investing gold, not big British SUVs. Well, there we go. There's a top. This gear, is top this tip. is my justification. This is why I was off in search of uh, in search of gold. So, also as I noted, you may remember. I'm not sure if it's still an option, but you could get that Breitling tourbillon clock. Um, no, yeah, you could only get that for like a few months. Oh, was it, it sort of limited time? Yeah, because it was a thing where I think because a clock cost more than the car did. It, it? Was, it was the same. I think it was another hundred and sixty thousand pounds for the clock. One hundred sixty grand car, one hundred sixty grand clock. But I'm sure I remember reading at the time that it took them so long to hand make all those clocks that basically they're like, if you sell, if you make that clock available indefinitely, we won't be able to finish making all the clocks in the time that the Bentayga is still on sale. Before the Earth is struck by a large comet. Yeah, exactly. Before it's swallowed by the sun. (laughs) So, um, yes, that was a really rare one that you were in. Yeah. 
So there we go. So there was a sort of setup, and really, it was a it was a grand excuse to go out, um, spend some proper wheel time behind this new Bentley Bentayga. Get and of course, take skin. it off road because you've of got course. to go off road to find gold. Exactly. So off roading Bentley. So off road, plenty of highway miles. Um, we also went on the Palms Palms to Pines Highway, which is a um, famously good drivers' road that's just um, that sort of leads up up the hill from Palm Springs. So we got a, got a chance to test out the Bentayga's handling chops. Um, and basically the story started, I thought, look, if we're going to go gold prospecting, we need to, we need the kit. All the gear, quite literally, no idea. I just imagine you with a kind of, you know, plastic bucket and spade from a beach you were just planning just to go what digging holes or well that paddling. was that was more than i had to start with <laughs> when we when we set off but um no i i researched it you know as i always do in detail um there was a town called uh temecula uh, about an hour south of palm springs which was a bit of a sort of gold gold mining hub there was at least a few kind of shops around there and one of those was a, a prospecting shop um run by a guy called jim so with with no agenda other than to walk in, buy some basic equipment, get out there and look like I know what I'm doing. Hello, one of your finest gold panning pans, please. Yeah. I had a couple of locations that I'd researched that, oh, this stream is, you know, famous for a bit of gold. Uh, <laughs> and then I was rather stumped after that. So anyway, I went in and in this most American way, if you did this in the UK... I think they'd probably look down their nose at you, sell you what you needed, and shoo you out the shop. I mean, you had just arrived in a gold Bentley, yeah. so I'd, you'd probably get tired. Oh, that's a good point. It's a good point. There might, yeah, there <laughs> might be a, a, but there also there might be some decent sales off the back of this. So I went in there. I met this guy Jim and his wife Sue, who ran the shop. I told them sort of sheepishly, I think I need a sort of pan, because. <laughs> Panning Frying involves pan. a pan, a shovel, perhaps. And he went, no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. I'll show you all the ropes. This is what you need. Um, show me the equipment. And then just went, do you know what? I'm not actually up to much. I'll just come with you. He's not that busy He's in not the gold that... panning business in 2016. Yeah, it didn't. there was quite a lot of dust gathering on some of his items. Well, I was just rereading your feature. And so Jim's your, like, gold czar. He's your Obi-Wan. You, you, that wasn't teacher. the intention. I went in there just to buy the kit. He then just turned around and went, look, I might as well show you all the best spots and yeah, how to do this, this is, gold mining thing. This is my point. So he knows a lot more about panning for gold at this point than you do. Yeah. And I was expecting, oh, man, this guy's going to be, like, draped in gold. He's going to be, like, you know, an absolute gold sort of colossus. The most he ever found in a single day was 11 grams. 11 grams. I think... Um, I if you're thinking, if you're thinking of packing it all in and heading to California for the gold rush, you're about 170 years late. Damn! Let's yeah. go, there goes my side hustle. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more of a definitely a hobby these days um, for anyone. Um, but interestingly, as I discovered, hands up here when I was. Um, when I'd already done the feature and was um, researching it, post-researching it, let's call it, <laughs> that actually, interestingly, the first self-made millionaire in the American gold rush right. um, wasn't some bloke who found a load of gold. It wasn't that guy I mentioned earlier, James Marshall, who, who first discovered these chunks of gold lying in the river. It was actually a guy called Samuel Brannan, who, when he heard about James Marshall's discovery, knew 
that hordes and hordes of people were going to be coming to the state, specifically to this area, to look for their fortunes, to look for the gold. And so he bought up every bucket, every shovel, every bit of kit that they could possibly need in the immediate area, set up shop and sold them stuff and made an absolute killing. So that's like hearing that there's a lot of hipsters about to move to your area and opening a chain of rustic coffee shops. A chain, yeah, all next to each other, just yeah. so they have to have a coffee at every single one. Yeah, don't don't go out and get your fingernails dirty looking for the gold. Just sell other people the kit they need to do it. And he was the first made millionaire from the gold, gold yeah, rush. Yeah, That's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant, isn't it? And you were the second. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to be. But um, no, so we, so we, you know, I totally lucked out here because I was going to be, you know, splashing about in a river, not knowing what to do. I now had... You know, the coach of all coaches, Jim, spectacular moustache, very friendly. Um, and he took me down to uh, took me down to a river. I feel like I was about to break Sounds into like some sort of country song, yeah. song there. <laughs> the Cajon Creek, um, the best spot. But the reason it's the best spot is because what you want when you're panning for gold is where fast water suddenly slows, because that's the point at which it swirls, slows down and deposits the heavier stuff. I see. Like gold. So he gave me a lesson. I rolled up my shorts. Rolled up my shorts, my jeans. Did you remember this or have you reread it from the feature? Is it all just stored up there in the old Rick's brain box? Yes, I had to push push away a load of sort of, you know, cat videos from Facebook (laughs) out the way. But yeah, it's all stored in there somewhere. In case you ever find yourself paddling in a river again, you'll know where to find the gold, where the fast river meets the slow water. Where Where the fast river slows. Okay. Yeah. There you go, listeners. You yeah, and it. there I was, you know, trousers rolled up, getting involved, him showing me how you swirl the water around. The idea is you let the the heavier stuff fall to the bottom and you wash the lighter um, sediment and material off the top, leaving no, precisely no gold. There was no <laughs> gold there that day. Even with Jim to hand uh, we didn't have anything he wasn't going to take you to his best spot though was he oh. he's not going to he's not going to give up a literal gold mine he's going to oh, I'll take this English sucker down the river where there's none it oh, would sorry, be quite mate. amusing no need to go no need to come looking here anyone probably nothing here <laughs> meanwhile he's got a massive stash <laughs> to be fair if I did find a nugget I think I'd probably find a Colt 45 you know to the side of my head <laughs> oh no and it over a dark story and it over jack no so no gold was found um but uh, he wasn't giving up so he went uh, he took us well we met up the next day actually and he brought along a friend um called what was his friend called uh, fred that was it and um, because jim and fred owned an 80 acre claim in the desert claim is a piece of land that you buy because you have a hunch there might be gold in it and so anything that's found on that um piece of land belongs to you so it's like when people let like metal detectorists go looking on their farmland but then if they uncover like a roman temple yeah. wherever the romans roman a mosaic Got a temple over here yeah. a roman temple that's nah, funny, romans didn't even have temples that's a real find but <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know they find an old coin with julius caesar on it yeah and the farmer has to get a slice of it right so exactly. they've got like the american version of that exactly exactly so it's called the dale mining district south of uh, there's a place called 29 palms uh, in case you're interested in going there. Uh, what was great was, well, two things. A, it's full of abandoned mines, which are just brilliant. The, the, you can just sort of, 
you can feel the history in the air and the mm. people that have like you know traveled all this way to make this to seek their fortune to seek so their romantic fortune. Isn't it? it's like the original american dream mm. exactly um but all abandoned so he took us to the thing and then we did some metal detecting so i got to use all the kit um I uh, got a very sore shoulder. It's harder than it looks. We did about an hour metal detecting on their claim and uh, found nothing. I did get a, a hit, though, a beep, hmm. convinced it was going to be, you know, something the size of a tennis ball, I thought. Solid gold nuggets. Solid gold nuggets. Uh, it was a fragment of an old bullet. Oh, um, right. Well, that's quite American. You get it? a lot of those in America, <laughs> especially out in the desert. Yeah. Let's go and shoot, shoot things up. Um, but the the great thing was we got to drive the Bentayga off road. Oh yeah, the Bentayga. I yeah. forgot. Do you, you know what? Let, let's just let's just get through the gold mining story and then we'll come back to the Bentayga. <laughs> this is the Top Gear magazine is... podcast, not the DIY find gold pod. <laughs> yeah, the gold pod. Um, but, so anyway, that that was the thing. I found no gold. I'm rubbish at. Uh, there's either none there or I'm rubbish at it. Or Jim's. Uh, I've given him too much credit and he's a crap teacher. <laughs> either way. No gold was found. I did not have enough to buy a £160,000 Bentley Bentayga. And in fact, when we were on our way out of the desert, um, hit a rock. So it was covered by the sand. There's sort of a sandy track leading you out mm. of the desert. Exploded the front right tyre. Um, and, I mean, well, inside the Bentley, it was a rather cushioned impact, actually. <laughs> oh, I appear to have had a blowout. Um, now... Um, this could have been, you know, it did dawn on me that if you were on your own, it was quite hot mm. and it was probably a 15, 20 minute drive to the nearest road, but that's quite a few miles on foot. Yeah. Or on your hands through, and knees. Through the sand. Dehydration. Yeah. Out. We didn't, we may have had a bottle or two of water. We definitely didn't have any food. It did. Anyway, we had Jim. Um, who immediately uh, drove off. No, he didn't drive off. He had to be somewhere. But we did what any normal person would do in an emergency situation like that. Um, and, I mean, if you want to take notes on this, it's, it's, it's a three-point plan. Um, number one, pick up your phone. Um, yes, we had reception. Number two, phone Bentley's uh, launch <laughs> concierge service. And step three, wait in air-conditioned leather luxury Splendor. for an hour and a half before a uh, a Bentley rescue team comes and gets you and puts a new tire on. When they got to you, did they go politely, what the blooming heck do you think you're doing? Why are you here? And who's this guy in the passenger <laughs> seat who wasn't on the launch invitation list? Or did they go, <laughs> who's this guy see... asleep in the boot? Oh, that's, that's, yeah. that's Fred. Or was it like, we're delighted to see you're using the all-terrain capabilities of our new... SUV. I don't think they care. They care. That was a that was a problem for the PR department. Like, where you found Top Gear? Where you know they were they were just the knights in shining armor who rolled up and, and got us out of that situation. Oh so. yeah, there's a photo here. Yeah, that tie is toast, isn't it? Ouch. Yeah, absolute toast. So, look, it was a brilliant. You know, all we're looking for is excuses to use cars properly, tell stories. Um, you know, this was sometimes you might go into an adventure like this in a car that's been around a bit. You know, there might be some significance to that. There might not be. You might just need a, a chariot to get you around. Mm. But this was also first contact with a really important car. Um, and I, I remember thinking when we drove it on the road, um, the, the Palms to Pines. Pines to Palms? Palms to Pines. One of the two. Google them both. Um, highway. The, the way it handled was absolute 
witchcraft. Mm. This was one of those first cars that we came across that had the 48-volt anti-roll suspension yeah. in it, wasn't it? And yeah. I remember, yeah, when we, we got one in the UK a couple of months later... And just, I think I was laughing and swearing out loud the first time I entered a series of corners in it because Mm. there's just no way your brain can prepare for something that's tall and heavy, not rolling in a corner. Yeah. It's preposterous how flat it stays. It's a bit like the first time you try four-wheel steering in something that's really quite large Mm. and it just tightens that turning circle up and you're like... (laughs) Yeah, and your little caveman tree yeah. shrew brain goes oh what's happening here this isn't moving in the way i expected it to i mean yeah. now it's because obviously the volkswagen group have stuck it on pretty much everything and then everyone else has caught on it's probably lost some of that like wow factor but at the time you have to remember that yeah you have to remember how controversial the bentayga was and how yeah mind-blowing its capabilities were because yeah. it, it did all the off-roading stuff that like a range rover could do in luxuriant splendor but then would also do like 180 miles an hour yeah it was 600 horsepower w12 yeah which a range rover would be hopeless at and it, yeah. it did the capabilities that the car had the engineering department had pulled a blinder just yeah. the styling department you, had you sense sometimes with a car that um you know we feel how important slash controversial a car is you know the first bentley suv you know split people right down the middle well it's exactly the car they should be doing oh, this, is, mm. this is outrageous um and you, you, I think that permeates a company and you can just tell when they throw everything they've got at it. They're like, I don't care if we overspend or over-engineer. This car has to deliver on all these fronts. It's just such a shame that it's a bit of an ugger. Yeah. I mean, they slightly sourced it with the, with the, the facelift. Yeah, now. facelift the, the fundamental point is, as cynical as you want to be about it, it didn't put anyone off. I mean, it, the thing overtook the Continental GT quite quickly as the best-selling Bentley. And I've just had to look up... So for the last full year of sales, so 2022, Bentley, it was another record year following a record year the year before. They sold 15, just over 15,000 cars, which is why Bentley, you've noticed this, Bentley always says Bentley is the world's most sought-after luxury mark because it's obviously be a bit embarrassing to say most common. But basically, Bentley, of all the you know Rolls Royces and Aston Martins, Bentleys, they sell the most cars. But so 15,000 cars, 42% of them were the Bentayga. So that's just one model. You know, yeah. It's not like the Conti GT where you can buy it as like a coupe or a convertible or a flying spur four-door. Like just the Bentayga is 42% of Bentley sales. It has been an absolute money printer for Bentley. And because it's based on this box of bits that's also the Cayenne, the Touareg, the Q7, the Q8s, the Urus. I mean, that's got to be the hardest working car platform in the whole world. Yeah, yeah. So what a... What a success story. You know, we might not have liked how it looked and people might have had a problem with with the sort of the image of it. But again, if you'd been in the boardroom at Bentley in 2013, 14, whenever they were signing it off, I defy anyone listening not to have gone, oh, I, I think we should make that car. Because you might have said, maybe change the grill and the headlights, please. But you wouldn't have said, no, let's go and make another sports car instead. No. Because it's been an absolutely roaring no. success. There may have been execs hiding behind the furniture when it was first launched. Mm. But I think these days they'll all be sticking their hands up saying, "That was that, I signed that one off. That was, that was yeah, my exactly. idea. I pushed that one through. Yeah. Taking credit. I remember one of the things I've just re- re- reminded myself, um, it, was, it was quite early days as well with... Um, with the adaptive cruise control with lane keep assist. In so fact, again, that shows how long ago it yeah. was. Now it's just like that's in a Ford Focus and you don't even pay 
yeah. any attention to it. But back then, you'd have been like, oh my God, self-driving cars are on the way. Yeah. So <laughs> so this is, um, you know, the technology hasn't really moved on in that regard much. I mean, yeah. maybe you can sort of change lane now. It's not um, very good, though, is it? It's not very good. No. Rubbish. So, no, this is, um, you could take your hands, you're supposed to keep your hands on the wheel the whole time, and it will be sensing whether you're touching the wheel or not. It will give you about 10 seconds before it bongs at you and, and switches everything off. But what I discovered on this drive, much to my amusement, was that um, if you order the smokers pack in a Bentley, which I just think is hilarious that they even offer a smokers pack, comes with a very weighty ashtray. It sort of looks like a kind of, um, like a kind of Coke can size oh, with, a, with a kind of flip top. Yeah, the kind of metal. Very heavy and yeah, expensive. Dense. Very dense. <laughs> very dense. I'm not sure how many fags you can fit in it because it's just thick metal. But anyway, if you wedge that into the spokes of the wheel... Um, the, oh, you're not telling me that you... <laughs> no, the wheel thinks fooled, that you're holding on to it. You fooled the sensor. Yes. Um, <laughs> I also wrote about this in my feature, which seems a bit bold of me, seeing as it's probably uh, highly in contravention of any US traffic laws. But, um, but you know, US roads, they're very boring, multi-lanes, mm. go on forever. So actually, I think I, I did about 20, 25 minutes without touching the wheel. So self-driving Bentley. That's so funny that, yeah, the Bentayga's become kind of a part of a furniture. I even I saw it on the way into work today and you sort of almost don't pay any attention now. And then, yeah, the technology, the, the suspension, the, the clever cruise, that was mind-blowing in 16. And now in 2023, you're like... Yep, you know that's that's pretty standard. You know what's next? What's new? I'm just gonna. I've just. I've just to wrap things up. I fast forwarded to my conclusion, which I hadn't read. Hang on, are you about to quote yourself again? Yeah, as I often do. Uh, Jack Ricks once said, um, <laughs> "No, no, but this is, but this is interesting because uh, to try to sum things up, all those years ago, mm. we were talking earlier about how you have to make these calls on whether, you know." A good car or a bad car. There are sort of shades of that because we score cars out of ten, mm. but um, but you really have to make that call whether they've succeeded or not. Um, I said it's not a game changer. This car, it's a money maker. Does that stand up? I think it was it... a game changer for Bentley. I don't think it changed the car. It didn't fundamentally change how SUVs were designed and built. Mm. It's not like it's like a Tesla Cybertruck where it's a complete disruptor. It certainly hit any premium manufacturer around the face and was like, if you're not making an SUV, you're an idiot. If you've not got one in the works right now, yeah. I mean, this is a world before the Rolls-Royce Cullinan, the Lamborghini Urus, which obviously would have been being prepped, but we hadn't seen it yet, the uh, Aston Martin DBX, and way before the Ferrari Purosangue, which again is a different kind of thing. But yeah, Bentley were way out there before everyone else, yeah. which was brave. a generation ahead, aren't they? Mm. So... Yeah, so and then because it's something, and I said because it's something new and currently the finest of its kind, you know, as we said, there wasn't, there's no uh, Rolls-Royce Cullinan at this stage. Um, others, uh, I, I mean, this is all the electric SUVs that are coming along now, you know, EQSs and stuff like that. Oh yeah, they didn't, they didn't exist. So um, I said it would have sold regardless of how it drove. So hats off to Bentley for doing such a magnificent engineering job, um, which I think is fair enough because working hard at something doesn't always yield the reward it deserves, as I found. Paddling. <laughs> paddling. Up to your where the fast water meets the, the slow water or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's something really musical and inspirational about that quote, but it's not quite there. I've just managed to balls it up six <laughs> times in a row. But anyway, look, you can go online, go on to topgear.com. Um, as ever, um, Great thing 
about the website. It's 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 the archive that lives on forever because um, not always immediately, but but um, magazine features will make their way onto the website so you can enjoy them forever more. This one is entitled Gold Rush, Bentley Bentayga Driven in California. Exciting headline, that. I think Gold Rush was the headline in the magazine. Yeah. It's fast, it's um, gold. Gold Rush. Yes. Off to the pub. <laughs> go, and, go and enjoy that. Um, it was a hell of a story. That was quite early on, actually, in my Top Gear career. And I, I, I do remember thinking, um, I've got this idea. It's quite bold. I've done the negotiations with Bentley and and off I go and I've got to make it stick. Um, and I, I like the fact that not everything was figured out in the first place, which often, as you know, that's what makes a good story. Yeah, spontaneous plans. Yep. Got, for a proper adventure feature as well, something has to go wrong. Yep. So I think getting stranded with a complete stranger in the middle of the Californian <laughs> desert in a Bentley you couldn't afford with a smashed up tyre, yep. that, that absolutely qualifies. You might not have found any gold, but you, you, you found a golden idea. Wow, that's beautiful. Um, <laughs> in, unless you're watching the, the video, you won't realise I just shed a tear. There's a lump in his throat, as he said. That's lovely. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, let us know. Let us know if you're listening on Spotify underneath what you think of the Bentley Bentayga. You've had seven years to think about it now. <laughs> um, so you, if you don't have an opinion, uh, then well, let us know what it is. Because... Yeah, would you have signed it off? Would you have honestly... Who out there would have been brave enough to go... No, I think we can do without this. Let's just make coupes and saloons. Let's keep the Mulsanne going forever. Yeah. McLaren, even you aren't immune to this. Oh, yeah. That'll oh, be nice. All right. That's okay. a story for another day. Story for another day. Thanks for listening. Catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also there's some new audio tidbits coming. So like Jack says, subscribe. Subscribe.